I'm Jacob Tackett. And I'm Dylan Curtis. And this is the I'm Wondering Podcast. Welcome, welcome. Episode 24 of the I'm Wondering Podcast. We're glad you're here. Glad you're listening. Um, this last week or so, we surpassed the thousand listen mark. Woo! Pretty cool. It is pretty cool. Um, we appreciate you guys listening, um, sharing. Um, we got some ideas of maybe doing some giveaways and stuff to encourage you guys to share. So be on the lookout on our Facebook and Instagram uh, for that. Um, yeah, just some ideas of trying to gain some more listeners. While it's not our goal to be, you know, in, even in the top thousand of podcasts on iTunes or whatever, but yeah, that's ambitious. We want you guys to share this because we think um, the things that we're talking about are important for all of us to get a better grasp on and things like that. So uh, we are appreciate we appreciate you guys. We are appreciate. <laughs> I just had like a moment there. Uh, we appreciate you guys listening and following along with us on this journey. And well, we're back in school, so we are. Our back brains in are a little squishy. That is true. I am reading a lot, but yeah, with that, guys, we haven't done a little bit of a catch up in a little while. So before we dive into our topic this week, we wanted to just uh, kind of do a little bit of a life catch up. So Dylan, what, what's been happening in life? Well, like I just said, we're we're in school. Yay. So is life happening? Is the real question when you start to do studies again. Um, but very thankful that we can do that, that we're yeah. in seminary. So, uh, What are you taking? I'm taking the ever-fascinating Greek 2, mm. um, which I really do actually like. Greek is... I didn't like Hebrew. Hebrew was much harder, looked like symbols. Yeah. Uh, Greek looks like a language, so uh, <laughs> I enjoy it a lot. And Fair. when it clicks, it's a ton of fun, and when it doesn't click, it's like nails on a chalkboard, mm-hmm. but... You push through, so I like that. Uh, taking church doctrine too, which you've taken already. Yeah. Um. So we just we just read. Uh. What do we read about fall and oh, sin? Yeah. Um. So that's a lot of fun. And so, then you get to write like a ten-page paper on it. Yeah. Well, not that specifically, but that yeah. is part of the long paper. Um. Which I'm not looking forward to. And then uh, mentor formation. Um. Mm. Doing a skill skill plan, so that means I'm essentially focusing on a skill to develop, which I'm going to teach a course here at the church. Um, that's kind of the goal for this semester, so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Uh, other life stuff, not not a whole lot. Just back in the <laughs> rhythm of yep. post holidays and uh, back in school. So my life is a very boring affair. Um, it's pretty much work in school, uh, and Hannah and I. We'll get outside and play tennis when we get a chance, if the weather's nice. Uh, I have no idea what the weather's going to do this week. It's crazy. Um, we'll see. But otherwise, been going to the gym, which yeah, yeah is here. I, encouragement to anybody when it comes to the gym. It's okay to hate the gym. That's what I've realized. For me, it helps. Because uh, so <laughs> long, so many times I've tried to work out and then fallen off, tried to work out, fallen yeah. off. I've always, like, I think the big sticking point for me was always, I have to love this. I have to love going to the gym. No, you don't. That's a lie. Yeah. You can hate going to the gym and still go to the gym. And so that's helped me be like, I don't want to do this, but I need to do this. So just encouragement for anybody out there who hates the gym. It's okay. It's okay to hate the gym. We hate it too. 
And then, of course, my team is in the Super Bowl, and we'll find oh, out. Man. We're recording this before the Super Bowl, to be you know, clear. So I have no idea. Um, I'm not feeling fantastic about it, but that's exciting. Yeah. Right? I mean, the reality, I mean, yes, I think the Chiefs are a better team than the Bucks, but anytime you play Tom Brady, like it just doesn't matter. Who's Tom the Brady team. doesn't worry me. It's he it's the Bucks defense that's He's worrying me. He threw three picks against the Packers, and I think sure, our sure. our defense is better than the Packers defense. So we'll see. But how about you? What's up with your life? Yeah, same. Um school and work. Work and school. Um nothing. You know, like my life's pretty like structured, and so yeah. it's nothing like crazy out of the normal. Um, still have fun, like life's fun, but mm-hmm. just my free time really isn't free. It's reading. Um, so yep. yeah, nothing too crazy is going on in my life. I know the listeners are probably like, "Wow, this is really great." Yeah, guys. these two. Thanks these for two the life update. Boring. <laughs> but yeah, but it. it Things that I enjoy um, is I do enjoy reading and learning. Sometimes it's a drag because I'm reading, you know, 9, 10, 11 books, but it's fun and I enjoy it. That's always the weird thing with school, right? Like, because I am the same way. I love reading and learning and I especially love it when I'm not told to do it. Yeah. But when I'm told to do it, it's like, I don't want to. But then it's still exciting as you're learning and reading. You're like, oh, that's a great point. You know, because sometimes it just gets kind of dry. It's like, I yeah. I say this, like, I do care. But, like, sometimes I don't really care about the typology of ancient Near East literature and how that affects Old Testament writers and into the um, New Testament theology. Like, I see the connections and I, I get it, but sometimes just reading 115 pages on typology is kind of dry and boring. Yes, it is. But it's important. So, yeah, um, school's good. Um, life's good. Good. Yeah. Yeah, good. So what are we going to talk about today besides our boring life update? <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to talk about, uh, you know, because Valentine's Day is just a few days away when this is going to come out. So we're going to talk about love. And uh, I, you know, wanted to name the podcast episode, What's Love Got to Do With It? And so we're doing it. So shout out to Tina but there's other people involved in that dun, song dun, dun. that we'll talk about in just a minute. Cool. So without further ado, let's get after it. All right. We're back at it, and uh, we're past our riveting life updates um you know whatever uh so we're gonna get into this and i i found this amazingly fascinating uh little snippet paragraph on the song what's love got to do with it um i didn't know the history of it no um so i figured we should look it up since we're gonna call the episode this Uh, so let me just share with you this uh paragraph i found so the song what's love got to do with it was written by terry Britton. thanks terry thanks terry uh, and Graham Lyle, uh, who originally actually offered it to Cliff Richard, uh, but it was rejected. I have no idea who Cliff not Richard is. Um, maybe some of our listeners do. That This is not our time, obviously. <laughs> no. We did not grow up in the 80s. Uh, it was then given to Phyllis Hyman, who wanted to do the song, 
but Arista Records head Clive Davis would not allow her. Rude. I know. Jeez, what a meanie. <laughs> the song then was offered by offered to Donna Summer, which that was surprising to me, who has stated that she sat with it for a couple of years. That's insane. But never recorded it. I'm surprised the record label wasn't like, hey, you need to figure this out. Like, either sing it or yeah. get a, give it away. Or give it away. Uh, and then some months before Turner recorded the song, the British pop group Bucks Fizz were offered it. Please let us know if you actually know who Bucks Fizz yeah. is. We listened to it. We did look it up. It's on Spotify. Um, but I've never heard of Bucks Fizz. No. Uh, and then member Jay Aston of Bucks Fizz requested to sing lead on the track after hearing the demo, but he was told by his producer that it was unsuitable for a female lead vocal. Which is interesting. Is Jay a female? I guess so. I guess so. We should have done more research. I know. I mean, I just kind of pulled this, but whatever. Uh, The group then went on to record it in February of 1984. Mm. Mm. Five years before, well, five and and a half, more than five and a half years before I was born. Yeah. Um, And, uh, but a male uh, member of the band Bucks Fizz recorded it, uh, Bobby G. Bobby G. That's a classic. Um, (laughs) I wonder if he knows Kenny G. I went to high school with a kid named Bobby G. Really? Yeah. Well, maybe, not the same guy. Well, maybe it was his child. We don't know. Oh my gosh. Although they're British, I doubt they left England to go to Sheridan, Arkansas. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's quite the transition. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, Ashton recalls that the demo was very similar to the eventual Tina Turner version, which we all know, of course. Uh, but their finished version was in a very different style, which we can attest to listening to it. Mm-hmm. It was quite a different style. It was intended for possible inclusion on their next album, I Hear Talk, uh, but it was actually shelved when Turner released her version first. Fair. Yeah, well, yeah, who, who, you can't compete You can't that. follow that. No. Uh, and then the Bucks Fizz version went unreleased until it was included on a reissue of their Are You Ready album in 2000, which is where we found it. Uh, the original Bucks Fizz went on to include the song in their reunion concert tour in October of 2009, and all were disappointed because it wasn't the Tina Turner version. Yep. That's not in there, but that's my Editorializing. Yeah. But what's cool is like we actually listened to that Buck Fizz version, and it was kind of electronic-y and boppy, yeah. and I was it's like... very 80s. I'm kind of feeling this. Very 80s. But so, yeah. nobody can hold a candle to Tina. That's uh, so. fun, fun facts for you today about the song What's Love Got to Do With It. Yeah, it's pretty fun. Uh, and let me tell you what love has to do with it, um, especially when it comes to the history of Valentine's Day, uh, which there's quite a lot that I did not realize. No. Um, so we're going to go through uh, just a few things. We have the pagan history, uh, the church history, and of course, modern America and how we have sold a bunch of cards, basically. So yeah. it's going to be fun. So let's get into the the pagan history, okay? so Love um, pagan history. This is, of course, Roman history. Uh, so, just a forewarning, some of this is really weird and uh, maybe a little uncomfortable. <laughs> Strap so, in. Uh, either plug your own ears or your children's ears or whoever's ears, because um, it's a little weird. Uh, but we're going we're gonna to just get into this. So, Valentine's Day, as we know it, originally started as the pagan celebration of Lupercalia. So, that's interesting, yeah. I guess. Uh, it, cel- it was celebrated at the Ides of February, or that 15th of March, or 15th of February, gosh. <laughs> I was thinking Ides of March, because yeah, that's way more popular, yeah. right? 
Uh, but anyways, February 15th, so, you know, we were real rebels in this country making it the 14th, I guess. How can we? Uh, Lupercalia was a fertility festival dedicated to Faunus, the Roman god of agriculture, as well as to the Roman founders Romulus and Remus. Uh, those are fun names. Uh, to begin the festival, members of the Luperci, in order of Roman priests, would get not not Christian priests, just so you know, or Catholic priests, I should say, um, would gather at a sacred cave where the infants Romulus and Remus, also known as the founders of Rome, were believed to have been cared for by a she-wolf or Lupa. Uh, so there you go. I guess they were raised by a she-wolf. I mean, yeah, I'm here for it. <laughs> Aren't we all? It's called mom. Uh, the priests would sacrifice a goat for fertility of course because so many of roman festivals are about fertility uh and a dog for purification Uh, which is super sad i love my dog that's a terribly sad thing to think about they would then strip the goat's hide into strips dip them into the sacrificial blood and take to the streets Gently slapping both women and grovels. <laughs> I can't even get through that. <laughs> With the go-hide. I, what a, that's just ridiculous. <laughs> just the like the two words, <laughs> gently slapping. Yeah. How? I don't, I don't know. Oh, gosh. We're going to get through this. Uh. Far from being fearful, uh, which I would totally be <laughs> terrified, Roman women welcomed the touch of the hides because it was believed to make them more fertile, fertile <laughs> in the coming year. Oh. Oh. Later in the day. According to legend, all the young women in the city would place their names in a big urn, which, of course, we pretty much put ashes in, so that's weird. Uh, The city's bachelors would each choose a name and become paired for the year with his chosen woman. Uh, These matches often ended in marriage. So I kind of feel like this should be the next season of The Bachelor or Bachelorette. Like They should take this model. Yeah, it's... Yeah, it's, it's probably um, as successful as what it is now. Um, if we could maybe get rid of the whole like <laughs> dipping <laughs> strips of goat hide and blood, Oof. that would be great. And slapping, um, yeah, it's just it's a lot. That's weird. Yeah, yeah, it's one way to find a mate, I guess. Oh lord! And then uh, if you're curious, because <laughs> we're this far in, uh, Lupercalia, <laughs> Lupercalia, the festival survived the initial rise of Christianity, but was later outlawed as it was deemed unchristian. Shocker! Uh, well, yeah, it is. At the end of the fifth century, when Pope Galasius—that's a name for you—declared February fourteenth as Saint Valentine's Day. Uh, so there you have it. That's the that's the pagan side of it. Um, and there's some interesting church history that intersects that we'll get to soon. So, um, one of the things to know is it was outlawed. And so as we know, Valentine's day, it wasn't really around, Yeah. uh, even though it was St. Valentine's day, it wasn't like this big whole celebration. It was like most of the church calendar where you have a saint's day, but they don't do much for it. Yeah. So, um, and it kind of disappeared from pop culture, if you will, from larger culture um, but it began to reappear uh, around the 1400s, they think. The oldest known valentine that still exists, that's preserved, was written in 1415 by Charles, Duke of Orleans, to his wife while he was imprisoned in the Tower of London following his capture at the Battle of Agincourt. Agincourt. I'm now really interested in what that battle was like. Yep. Uh, probably look, look it up later. And then several years later, it is believed that King Henry V hired a writer named John Lydgate to compose a Valentine note to Catherine of Valois. 
Uh, so that's pretty fascinating. Um, but of course, what about Cupid? What about our cute little guy? Our little ch- cherub. Cherub. Uh, we all know Cupid. He's still still around, still kicking it. He's shuffling. Uh, oh gosh, please no. Not that song. <laughs> Not that song. If you aren't married and someday get married, please don't put the Cupid shuffle in your mar- in your dancing portion of your wedding. It's... I just don't like line dancing, I guess. I had a bad experience in middle school. They forced us to line dance. I didn't like it. So, <laughs> side note, <laughs> I don't call that gym, uh, but they did. Right. Anyways, uh, so Cupid. We all know Cupid. I don't know that we all love Cupid, which mm. is ironic. But anyways, uh, Cupid is, of course, often portrayed uh, on Valentine's Day cards as a naked cherub <laughs> launching <Naked> arrows. <laughs> Oh, so ridiculous. <laughs> Launching arrows, of course, of love at unsuspecting lovers. Um, that seems kind of wrong, but whatever. Yeah. Um, but the Roman <laughs> the Roman god Cupid has his roots actually in Greek mythology as the Greek god of love, Eros, which might be where he gets the arrows. Eros. Right. Uh, according to the Greek archaic poets, Eros was a handsome immortal played with the emotions of the gods and men. He used golden arrows to incite love and lead people into basically love. Uh, I'm not going to say... Sounds very consensual. Yeah, yeah, super consensual. Uh, And it wasn't until the Hellenistic period that he began to be be portrayed as the mischievous, which I'm like, that's a bit intense, mischievous. Yeah. Uh, Chubby child, and he's got some roles. <laughs> He'd become on <laughs> Valentine's Day cards. Why? Why is this so funny? I don't know. It's ridiculous. Ah. All right, pushing forward. I know this is a lot of history, so just bear with me. We're having a good time. So the church history side of this, because it's very intertwined with the pagan side. The Catholic Church recognizes apparently at least three different saints named Valentine or Valentinos, uh, all of whom were martyred. Uh, one legend contends that Valentine was a priest who served during the third century in Rome when Emperor Claudius II, not a good dude, uh, decided that single men made better soldiers than those with wives and families. Uh, he outlawed marriage for young men. Fascinating. Yeah, also kind of brutal. Kind of like... What do they mean by young rude. men, I Exactly, wonder. and that was... What's the cutoff? 13, 14, 15? Yeah, like when did they enlist? I don't know any of that. Now, see, I'm interested see? now. We're going to have a part two, yeah. y'all. When did Roman Maybe. men enlist and start fighting? Yeah. Because um, the life expectancy was a lot lower then. So maybe like 18 was you were old enough to marry. Who knows? Yeah. So anyways, uh, Valentine, uh, realizing the injustice of such a decree, defied Claudius, bad idea, and continued to perform marriages for young lovers in secret. When Valentine's actions were discovered... Claudius, of course, was very angry, uh-huh. uh, and he ordered he be put to death and had him beheaded. Um, there's others who insist that there's a different individual, St. Valentine of Tierney, uh, who was a bishop, uh, and that's what they say is the namesake, apparently. Uh, he, too, though, was also beheaded by Claudius II outside Rome. Um, so if you're named Valentine, don't make friends with any Claudiuses, apparently. None. Um, and then, of course, other stories suggest that Valentine may have been killed for attempting to help Christians escape harsh Roman prisons, where they were often beaten and tortured. According to one legend, an imprisoned Valentine actually sent the first quote-unquote Valentine greeting himself after he fell in love with a young girl, possibly his jailer's daughter. Ooh. Scandalous. Super scandalous. Uh, who visited him during his confinement, which, that's very nice of her. Yeah. 
Uh, before his death, it is alleged that he wrote her a letter signed from your Valentine, an expression that is still in use today. Although the truth behind the Valentine legends is pretty murky, the stories all emphasize his appeal as a sympathetic, heroic, and more, most importantly, romantic figure. Uh, and by the Middle Ages, you know, because of his reputation, uh, Valentine became one of the most popular saints in England and France. Fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, quite the story there. And, and it's the, interesting, like, it can't be pinned down. Like, obviously, we have so many things in history that are just like, it happened, we think. Yeah, it's and written down. It's written down. Yeah. Um, but it's fascinating that something this prolific thousands of years later. Yeah. Fascinating to me. Well, turns out love is a strong thing. What do you know? What, th- that's what love's got to do with and it. And the Catholics love their saints, so yes, somebody's got to be responsible because it can't just be God. <gasps> well, <laughs> anyways, we'll get there. <laughs> Sorry, Catholics, if you're listening. That was a <laughs> shot at you. Uh, so the American history, very brief. Uh, Americans probably, they think, began exchanging handmade valentines in the early 1700s. Um, of course, that was before America was officially America. Yeah. Um, that would have been the settlers. But in the 1840s, Esther A. Howland began selling the first mass-produced valentines in America. The OG Hallmark. The OG Hallmark. Way to get it, Esther. They literally invented ways for us to uselessly spend our money. Yes. I Yeah. I have some strong thoughts on Valentine's Day. Me too. But, uh, we'll hold that off for now. And then <laughs> today, of course, according to the Greeting Card Association, because for some reason we need a Greeting Card Association. <laughs> for real. An estimated 145 million Valentine's Day cards are sent each year. Um, do they actually mean like mailed? And I was about to say, because that number seems rather low. Yeah, they must mean just mailed. They must have not been in any elementary like classroom on Valentine's Day. Don't get that. (laughs) With our little boxes that we made with the slit. Yeah. I'm here for it. Give me the candy hearts. all of our crushes to everybody. Uh, But don't sign our names because, you know, that would be scary. Social suicide right there. Oh man, I tell you what, brings brings things back. What a uh. weird thing to do in school, by the way. Um, anyways, uh, that 145 million actually makes Valentine's Day the second largest card sending holiday of the year, uh, and of course, Christmas is everyone the king. loves their Christmas. Christmas cards. is king when it comes to any holidays. Always. Yep. So, anyways, there's there's your history. It's uh, fascinating. I hope you got a good laugh like we did, and you were fascinated like we were, and maybe you were disgusted, and I apologize for that. Like we were also. Yeah, yeah. The whole goat hide thing is pretty off-putting. It's so weird, but it's also kind of interesting, you know? Like, I kind of want to do some more research of yeah into that, like what made that specifically fertility, like, I don't know. Yeah, and as important as it is as humans that we, you know, make holidays and celebrate things, we all we all know uh, those of us who are believers where where love really comes from. <laughs> and uh, Jacob's gonna take us on a journey scripturally on where love where is found. Does love come from? Yeah, like Dylan said, it's important and it's fun to celebrate these holidays. But um, just like we were wondering where Valentine's came from. Um, where we're also kind of wondering what's some exegetical backing? What is some scripture that kind of talks to us about what does love have to do with it? Why is love important? And so we're going to dig into some scripture here. Um, we're going to be in First um, John. It's in the New Testament, small little book there. Isn't um, that one John? 
Uh, yes. No, it's sorry. First John, sorry. One John. Sorry. First John. That was a dig. At what about two somebody. Johns? What about three Johns? All right, Dylan. How many Johns are there? A lot in the world, probably. Um, but this epistle was probably written in Ephesus around 95 to 100 AD, and um, the author can sometimes be debated, but for this case, um, many scholars believe that it was John the Apostle who wrote this. Uh, while it isn't explicit that he necessarily wrote it, a lot of scholars, theologians, have made connections between John the Gospel with First, Second, and Third John, so many people just kind of land on John the Apostle being um, the author um, of this book. And so he's writing, John is writing this um, book to um, these, and Ephesus just kind of advising Christians on how to discern true teachers and to do that by um, looking at their ethics or their proclamation of Jesus in the flesh and by their love. Ooh. Um, because you can't do anything without love. That's true. First Corinthians 13. The beginning, not the wedding verses necessarily, yes. but the beginning of it. So yeah, so I'm going to read here First um, uh, John chapter 4, verses 7 through 21, and then we'll just talk about it just here for um, a, a minute or so before we wrap up. So here we go. First uh, John chapter 4, 7 through 21. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not Love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Now, this is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit, and we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how... Love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. So, what... Oh, that, that was the end of it. That was it. I didn't space out my question there. Um, whoops. Whoops. So, there is a lot here. Um, we could... Obviously, we don't have time to do a full exegesis of every single verse and Ooh, context and background. It would be long. It would be long. As much as I love to do that, um, this might not be the space or time for that. So... What does this have to do with us today? Can we live this out? Does it matter? Yes, short answer. Um, but to kind of dive in a little bit is these verses here in First uh, John chapter four emphasizes that God's love is not some abstract concept. It's it is passion expressed in action. God made love real. God makes love real and presents it by sending Jesus to live among us and to die 
for us. God continues to show us love through Jesus' life-giving presence among us. And one of the greatest aspects, I believe, of God's love is His love does not depend on our initiative or our worthiness. You see, we don't have to clean up our act before God can love us. We don't have to measure up to some standard in order to be lovable. Instead, God showers love on us whether we deserve it or not. And that's part of what I believe John is trying to drive home here, that we must then love the way that we are loved. And for me, that's that's a difficult thing. Very difficult. Um, because I don't necessarily want to love people all the time. It's hard. It's, yeah. It forces us to move into the uncomfortable. It forces us to see people as people and not objects. And yeah, I agree. And I think when, when you're talking about you know how lo- God loves us no matter what, of course, uh, John is also making the argument that we behave the same way, right? Right. And like you're saying, that's very difficult. Um, I can think of you know a couple of people off the top of my head that I struggle with. Mm-hmm. Um, I struggle to love, and uh, I think one of the main things that, love has is sacrifice, right? That's kind of what he's talking about with Jesus being sent as a sacrifice for us. That was an act of love on God's part. And so when I think of some people that I struggle with, it's like, would I be willing to sacrifice, do a sacrificial act for them, serve them, you know, and, and the human part of me says, yeah, no thanks. Right. But of course the, the part of me that's convicted that the Holy Spirit convicts me in is of course you should. Um, that's as Jesus served us when you know while we were still sinners, uh, Christ died for us. So, Amen. the love is one of the hardest things <laughs> to to practice. Yeah, and we can only love because He first loved us. And it says multiple times through this passage is God is love. God is love. And so, if us as professing and pro- proclaiming Christians, we can't separate yeah. our relationship with God without our relationship with God with love. Like, yeah. it's, sure, it's much easier said than done, um, but we, we, we've we got to do it, whether we like it or not. Um, but And so John here is calling us to love one another, and that is to love our sisters and our brothers. Well, who's our sisters and brothers? Again, everybody, not literally just our sisters and brothers. But the first century Christians for whom John was originally writing to were in conflict about the boundaries of the community, about theology, and about false teaching. And in this context, John focuses on love for others who belong to the community of faith. And does that mean that we're called to only love those who belong to our group and believe as we do? Of course not. Um, I think we see all throughout the Gospels and elsewhere in Scripture that God invites all people into a relationship um, with Him. And so I believe the implications of that is we love all people without conditions. Yeah. Uh, one of our, um, I think, sinful natures of humanity is we try, we like to put conditions on things. Um, well, I'll do this if, or I'll do that, but, um, everything is conditional, but we're called the, I see in this scripture specifically that we're called to love regardless. Um, Yeah. And I think that's, uh, that point of, obviously not becoming tribal or just picking your group to love is especially important right now in in most circles, um, in Christian circles, towards non-Christians, towards, I mean, if you go into conservative Christian circles, loving people who aren't conservative Christians, uh, Republicans loving Democrats, Democrats loving Republicans, I mean, it's, love is desperately needed, um, and I think it is foundational, and to get really weird about this, uh, love is, is, 
a main characteristic of what creation was made from because there was perfect love between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And that's how we know love is they, yeah. they have perfect love. The Trinity shares perfect love. So out of their action in creating the world, we have love. So it's not an optional part of life. <laughs> yeah. It's not easy. I'll be the first one to admit. Dylan said, you know, there's people automatically that you can just think of that it's difficult to love. And I'm the same, whether it's friends, family, coworkers, the random person on the side of the road. Like, it's difficult to love people because I think oftentimes we don't, I think it's human nature, our first instinct to not see the best in people. Yeah. Um, and so we have to fight against that tension to see the best in people in all situations and all circumstances um, so that we can love people the way that God has loved us. Yeah, I think, and you're totally right with the conditional and with that piece. Like we almost, people, we treat it as people have to earn love, yeah. right? Instead of the inverse, which all people deserve love, all people should be loved. That's what God is calling us to in this this passage is reminding us of. But so often it's, you have to earn my love. Yeah. And that's that's the sinful part of us. That's the human nature part of us. But God is calling us, the Holy Spirit is leading us to do the opposite. Yeah? Yeah. That's great. Interesting. Valentine's. What's love got to do with it? Well, a lot. How do you feel about Valentine's Day? So I'm wondering, Dylan, how do you feel about Valentine's Day? <sighs> well, I have a lot of thoughts. Yeah. Um, love is a 365... Uh, sort of thing. Yep. Um, especially, obviously, like we talked about with all people, and obviously with like your if you're married, your spouse, or if you're dating your boyfriend, girlfriend, um, you know, family. It's it's not a once a year thing. So part of my issue with Valentine's Day a, is it's super commercialized, right? So to me, it feels sort of um, shallow. It feels like this is the one day we're going to do something super special. I'm going to get you a really nice, lovey gift, yada, 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 right? Like you just pour it all on in that day. That's not, love is an everyday thing. And love is love is found more in washing the dishes than yeah. buying a rose, in my opinion. Um, uh, as much as, like my wife loves flowers, and I'll buy her flowers randomly on occasions just for because. Um, but I think it's more significant, these daily acts of sacrifice you do for the people you love. Yeah. Um, that, that to me is love Valentine's day as much as you can enjoy it. And I'm not saying nobody shouldn't enjoy it or celebrate it. Like Hannah and I will celebrate this year. We'll do something nice together. Um, but when it comes down to it, in my opinion, I'm more focused every single day on how to love my wife than making a big deal of this one day. Um, and again, it's just, it's, it's sold, it's a sellable. And it's the same issue I have with Christmas, honestly, and what Christmas has become sometimes it's not a commodity. Love isn't a commodity Mm. in the sense of a finite sellable thing. Um, the love that we have because of God is infinite. It is endless. There is no end to it. There's no depth that it doesn't go to. Um, so to like try and trade it off as some thing that you buy, um, really I think is can be harmful more than anything else. Um, so that's kind of my opinion. <laughs> and I know people might think that's a harsh opinion. Yeah. Well, but it's my opinion. So Because all things always lead back to the office. Yes. I of can't course. help but think about the episode where Ryan is making a big deal about Valentine's Day and he's like mainly because he forgets and he's Ryan, but he's like, what about all the other 
364 days of the year. What do you do about love then? And he's usually he's just usually using that to rationalize sure. not getting Kelly a gift. Sure. Um, sure. Or to show her any kind of affection because Ryan, that's Ryan. But I agree. It's it's a fun thing to celebrate, oh. but I don't make it as big of a deal um, yeah. as many people. Like I they're gross and they're awful, but give me all the Valentine's candy hearts. Oh gosh. I know no. they're awful. It's like eating chalk. It's it's like flavored chalk. For some reason, not even really flavored. I just there's something nostalgic <laughs> about chalk. it, right? That I'm just like, I just want to eat a box of them. Yeah, nostalgia's not uh, worth that. <laughs> fair, fair. Yeah, guys, thanks for uh, tagging along with us on this fun episode. Pretty ridiculous. Um, it was a good one to just kind of research and dig into a little bit. So we're wondering, how, how is Valentine's for you? Let us know. Do you celebrate it? Um, do you like gifts on Valentine's Day? Do you do a fancy meal with candlelight and all that kind of stuff? But, and please know, I will not judge you if you do those things. Yeah. Just just, just putting that out there. Yeah. If you make a big deal of it, good for you. If you and whoever celebrate together love doing that, it's great. Cool. If you I'm like not, it, I love it. I'm not saying don't. I'm just I just had my strong opinion. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, guys, um, please give us a a like, a comment, a share. That would um, be really awesome. I'm really grateful for you guys, and um, yeah, we would love to continue to expand this empire of ours. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah, definitely not an empire. But yeah, no. Thanks for joining along. I'm Jacob. And I'm Dylan. And this is the I'm Wondering Podcast.